You are now listening to the Claim It podcast with me, your host, Trisha Huffman, your joyologist. On this podcast, I have conversations with people who intrigue and inspire me. We really get into the journey of their life and the steps that got them to where they are today. Often there are challenges and they are still facing challenges today. Because I believe that our feelings of enoughness, of joy, of success aren't out there somewhere. Once I have this, do this, be this, then I will feel this way. Nope. That's why it's called claim it. You have to claim your joy, your worth, your feelings of enoughness right here, right now in the journey of your entire life. On today's episode, we have Marisha Miranowski. I think I pronounced that right. She is an amazing herbalist, teacher, author, green witch, earth activist. She runs the California side of the Gaia School of Healing. She just released a brand new book called The Witch's Herbal Apothecary. I had to interview her because she's like my age. She's beautiful blonde and she is this incredible herbalist teaching all of this medicine, as she calls it. So I love her. It was so fun getting to know her. Take a listen and make sure to follow her. You can find how her name is spelled in the show notes below. All right. So yeah, I think I would like to start with you. What I know of you is herbs and herbalism. I know there's much more to that and to your story, but where did that even start? Did you get exposed to working with stuff from the earth from a young age or? Yeah, I actually was. I came from Poland okay. and I was six years old when we moved to the States. And some of my earliest memories are of my great grandmother showing me how to pick nettles, stinging oh, nettles. Oh, wow. Was that in Poland? That was in Poland. Okay. Yeah. And, um, and I have some memories of plants from when I was really young. Um, and then they kind of, you know, came out of my life and I ended up studying architecture and, and um, working in, in community organizing. So you, your earlier, earliest memories are picking the nettle, but then yes. when you moved to the States, that all fell away for a while? It did in a way. I mean, I, there was still kind of a lot of um, European folk tradition growing up a lot of um rituals that were connected to the seasons changing oh, even okay. though nobody in my family would ever say that they're pagans they're 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 catholic they're polish but when you look at I actually had an irish man once a professor tell me that if you if, if you scratch a catholic beneath you will find a pagan and so oh. A lot of the things growing up um, that, that I was participating in were really very nature-based and, and kind of the spirituality that we were practicing had to do with, you know, now the practices that to me really show the cycles of the seasons and, and the earth as a living being going what through. What were some of those practices? Well, even like spring rituals of Easter, you know, Easter is uh -huh. like a really big deal in Poland oh, and really? it's a very joyful festival of-, of It's not all about Easter bunnies. No, <laughs> even though, even though, funny enough, Easter bunnies, right? The the bunny and the hare is a symbol of the goddess. Oh. And so we think about, you know, here we think about Easter, we think about bunnies, we think about chocolate eggs, right? We think about eggs. Well, the Druids used to paint eggs red and they would bury them in freshly plowed fields. 
as a ritual and as an offering to the earth to feed her fertility. Oh. And and I think that, you know, what's funny is is all of us are actually so much more connected to nature and these cycles of death and rebirth that we see in nature than, than we're aware of. Yeah. And and we all know that because if we think about the way that we feel in spring, it's like in the springtime we're all so much happier. There's a renewal of joy and, and a renewal of optimism. And often we end up getting creative ideas for new projects and new endeavors, or we like want to enter a new relationship or have a new lover or like right. beautiful, you know, there's that that feeling of of the maiden, of of this renewal and this rebirth. And so, yeah, it's it's really interesting. Even like Christmas now, you know, we're getting close to Christmas holidays and and nobody, I think, really thinks about it as a pagan festival, but no. it's incredibly pagan. We're 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 gathering pretty much on the winter solstice, right? The winter solstice mm-hmm. is the 21st of December, the darkest night of the year. And we gather in, in the darkest night and we call in miracles. We call in, you know, even baby Jesus, whether you believe in right. Christianity or not, is a symbol of the sun being reborn and of light coming back. Because, oh, the sun. Yeah, the sun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, people since the beginning of time have been coming together and feeding these forces of nature that bring in renewal and that um, bring in magic into our lives. And in many ways, we're still doing it, even though we're not really necessarily aware. So when you were growing up, were you celebrating like Eastern Christmas the same way that most people do in the States? Or were there traditions from your Polish heritage that you now are realizing? Yeah, there were traditions from my Polish heritage, but it was still pretty similar to what we do here in the United States. Okay. So what happens then? So you graduate or you go to college for architecture. Yes. And what happens there? Yeah. So in, in college, um, I, I became really interested with this idea that the way that we design space influences how we interact mm. with each other. And I started to study the psychology of space and study how culture is created and how people interact differently based on their environment. Where do you do you where do you think any of that came from for you? You know, I Cuz that's a pretty interesting It is. <laughs> to be thinking in your early 20s or even you know, before that perhaps. Totally. I know, it's funny. I I think maybe it had to do with this contrast of growing up and, you know, having a lot of my childhood still in Europe where there you know we walked to our grandmother's house and and we walked to the market and we would run into our neighbors and so there was this feeling of community um and togetherness that was experienced and then noticing how the elderly thrived in that oh. situation because they weren't isolated and then coming to the United States where you know the american dream has always been every man has his castle um which also leads to isolation yeah. and and which you know we're social beings humans are animals and and isolation does lead to sickness. Where did you grow up in the States? I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I grew up in this neighborhood that was um, intended for professors coming from abroad because that's how we came into the States. Oh, My parents okay. are professors at the university. And it was almost like a community. Like, you know, it, it, the, it almost looked like these intentional communities that I later went on to, to work on. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you're in architecture school. Yeah. Did you end up 
becoming an architect? I did end up working for a really wonderful architect um, who is in Nevada City, California. And he has a company called the Co-Housing Company. They brought this model of intentional community from Denmark. And they've been bringing these intentional communities and helping people kind of create a village and create a neighborhood and design it. Uh, They've been doing that for decades here in the United States. Wow. Yeah. So I was working with them. And then I got burned out, honestly. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, and... um, How old were you at the time? I was in my early 20s. Um, and, and there were, you know, different factors that contributed to me having a, a, a healing crisis. My health, um, really started to suffer and I was spending most of my time in front of the computer and I, I just, my soul like desperately called for nature and for going back into a a life that is more connected to, to nature and to play honestly as well. So what did you do and like how long did it take you from starting to feel this like burnout to yeah. actually making a change? And was that well, first just like, okay, I have to quit and I don't know what I'm going to do or what yeah. happened? Well, I mean, I think the burnout, there were so many different things that contributed to it. I had also done my thesis in in this tiny remote village in Mexico and had gotten very sick. So so physically my health was was pretty weak and I was, you know, writing my thesis in college and then I went straight into this job. Um, so a lot of it, you know, it was accumulated. I think that's what happens with healing crisis. And, you know, now as yeah. a, as a healer and as an herbalist, that's what I see is that, you know, it's years of us pushing ourselves. Yeah. Cause most times we, nobody does take a break. No. <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, like to not do anything either. Totally. And that connects us to how we started this conversation too, of these cycles in nature and nothing in nature pushes forever. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Us humans are the only fools that are trying to accelerate and push growth. Yeah. What was that like saying? It's like, if you don't take a day off, then like your body will force you or something like that. Yeah. And everybody knows that. And most people do that. Yeah. Absolutely. We go, go, go. And then our body's like, okay, shut down time. You're going to be sick and you're out. And then you don't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, now I really work with working with these cycles of nature so that we can actually harmonize ourselves with these very universal laws that lead to health and vitality of knowing when is the optimal time to to birth something new into the world when is the optimal time to push something into growth that- and when is the optimal time to release and relax and and rest is that things that very per person or it's also very seasonal and very per person? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. You know, everyone has their own constitution. So as a witch and as an herbalist, I work with the elements, earth, air, water, and fire. And so we can imagine, I mean, all of us know what like a very fiery person is like, right? And they're just, they're often very fast and quick and and sometimes they lose their temper and mm-hmm. they really will just like push themselves until they're burned out. Yeah. Too much fire, they burn out. Um, we can imagine like a, a person who has too much earth element and sometimes they're slower, they're stuck in their ways or they're like, it's hard for them to imagine a new possibility, a new mm-hmm. way, you know? Um, and so it does vary person to person, but we also, depending on where you live, we're connected to an ecosystem that yeah. is alive and that is full of spirit. And so the seasons are this really wonderful opportunity and this portal 
for us to connect to the energies that are around us. And so, you know, wherever you live, like in the Northern Hemisphere, it's different than in the Southern Hemisphere. But when you are experiencing spring and when suddenly, you know, around you, things are starting to blossom and grow, you will feel different than you did three months prior in the middle of winter. And that is a good time to really call in that energy of spring and and ask yourself, what do I want to birth into the world? How do I want to renew myself? But then- as what you were talking about with like fire, earth, personas, that there might be different cycles within the person too. Is that what you're touching on when saying there's the different types of, or um, what did you say? Yeah, with Con- the, the constitution. Yeah. Was yeah. Like- <laughs> well, with each person, then they just have to be mindful of their, of, own. of their own constitution, right? So for example, that fiery person, yeah. that fire is connected to the element of summer, or is connected to the season of summer. Each season has its element. And that summertime is when the days are the longest, right? And so all of nature is really telling us work now. Go out in the garden. You know, traditionally it's like grow your food. Yeah, be out there till 9 p.m. so that you have a harvest in the fall and so that you do not die over the winter, right? Like back in the day, (laughs) that was that was the medicine of summer was long days so that you work hard. And and now for the modern person. The, the summer season, which is also connected to the full moon, is when we can really be like networking and, and um, sharing our ideas and, and being public and going out there and working hard. Um, but the fiery person just has to be mindful to not overdo it. Right. And that's where, you know, as an herbalist, I really draw on the medicine of the earth and of the plants. And so that fiery person in the season of summer, they might be wanting to work with cooling plants so that they can just stay in balance and so that they don't override their system and go into inflammation or rashes or temper tantrums or whatever it is. Got it. Okay, let's get back to you. <laughs> you. So, so yeah, when you were reaching your, um, what did you call it? My healing crisis healing or my crisis. burnout. Yeah. yeah. So. What made you finally like leave? Did you take a leave of absence for your job or what happened? I, you know, I um, just, yeah, I simply started to really um, ask myself what it was that I was needing and what my soul was asking for. And, and when I asked myself that, what came through was, oh, I just want to teach art to kids in nature. And just like have a lot of time in nature. <laughs> and, um, and that seemed so random and so unambitious to me at the time. And I wasn't a very kind of like, oh, I'm going to change the world right. with intentional architecture. Uh, but I ended up moving to northern Vermont, living in the woods, and teaching art part-time wow. at a ski academy. <laughs> yeah. And how did you make that happen? It just it just kind of came and Did in. you quit your job in architecture before and that just to, to free know, I, up the space to I make this happen? I barely remember. That was so long ago and <laughs> so much has happened since then. Um, I don't really remember the order exactly, but but yeah, that was the transition. So you moved to Vermont, Lo- lived in nature. Lived in the middle of nowhere. Even people in Vermont are like, where did you live? <laughs> yeah, like at the, just, yeah, very much in the woods. Um, taught art at a little boarding school for skiers and spent a lot of time in the woods, a lot of time in the woods. And that's actually when um, the plants really came back to me. And that's when I started talking to the plants again and 
there weren't that many people to hang out with there. And so <laughs> I just hung out with plants a lot and, and spent a lot of time alone in the wilderness. And I was healing my body at the time and uh, healing my adrenals from the burnout. Um, and I found that um, my body was responding the most to restorative medicine, to really nourishing and gentle plants. And um, I had tried so many different things and so many different forms of alternative medicine. And I had found that in alternative medicine, there's something that we call, I call now, um, this is coined by Susan Weed, the term, the heroic tradition. And, and that's a form of, of healers who often make you feel like you did something wrong to get there. Oh. And they make you feel like you need the most expensive herbs and they are hard to get and that you need a detox because you have toxins because you've been bad. Oh. And over the years of assisting people, I've noticed that that can do so much harm. And so I found my way back to the wise woman tradition of healing, which was the tradition of my grandmother's. And it's folk herbalism. It's gentle medicine. And it's working predominantly with wild weeds and nourishing herbs. Wild weeds. And yeah, when you're saying medicine, mm -hmm. what exactly are you speaking to? What do you mean? So you're saying, you mm -hmm. know, that your body did better with the gentler medicine. Right. It's like that. But most people, if they don't know herbalism, it's like, oh. so what, what exactly medicine? Because that can sound like, what is she That's true. Doing? Thank you. Yes. I am so <laughs> in my own bubble. Um, yeah. Great question. Because it's pretty simple Super. stuff, right? It's herbs. But when you say it's, medicine, it can sound like yeah. Some, you're like, right. When some flashy. people when they hear medicine, they think of pharmaceutical medicine, or, or I just think, think of, like flashy, like right. I don't know. Like it must be be a lot of work. Or totally. Like, oh my god, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. <laughs> yeah, because that is not what this is at all. <laughs> and and yeah, specifically the 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 herbal medicine that I work with, the plants that I work with, we call them nourishing herbs and and they are literally wild weeds. They're plants like stinging nettles or chickweed. They're plants that you've seen that grow in the forest probably like, wherever you live. Or they live. might be even in your yard growing. Totally, like dandelion. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say dandelion. Dandelion, yeah. <laughs> they're plants that are super abundant um, and they're free. And it turns out that they're superfoods. A lot of them are incredibly powerful and full of healing properties and full of vitamins and minerals and enzymes. And when you were living out in the nature in Vermont, and you said you had tried all sorts of different alternative medicine, and you noticed that your body was starting to resonate more with these gentle herbs. So then were you just going out in nature and let me pick this? What is this? What can I do with this? Were you just like experimenting on your own or? Yeah. Well, I did have a foundation of, of some herbal knowledge based on just growing up in Poland and nettles was a plant that. Right. So you had some, I unlike had some. me, I would be like, what are nettles at first? Yes. Like, but then I did also go to the Gaia School of Healing in Vermont. Oh, okay. And so that's where I studied with Sage Maurer, who started the Gaia School of Healing 20 years ago. Is that what brought ago. you to Vermont? Or no, No, you not. just happened to be I there. I just happened to be there. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It was this beautiful life, you know. Yeah. And I started studying with Sage. And I apprenticed with her for a couple of years. And that's also, you know, that was really what brought me um, deeper back into, into the plants and into folk herbalism. And yeah, like you're saying, like these are mostly weeds yes. that grow naturally yes. in nature. And what 
what are things that are done with them? Is it like you pick them and then they get dried and turned into teas or? Yeah. I mean, there are so many ways to use them. And luckily nowadays you can find recipes all over the internet and in so many different books, um, including my new book too. <laughs> but um, you can literally go out and pick them and make a fresh tea. Just put them in hot water or nettles. You know, people will use it like spinach. So you can make a nettle quiche or you can make a nettle pesto. Or you can make soup and add nettles into it. And, and so there are so many different ways to cook with the herbs, um, to, to drink them as tea, or you can dry them and then use them as tea. And what, so in your learning, what, like, why are they so powerful? Like, doesn't it seem crazy in yeah. some ways? Not like crazy, like, no, this is so basic. Yeah. Is that what it is? Like, it's so basic. These things were put on our earth. To nourish us, but yet we just think they're like weeds that are dirtying our yards that we need to pick yeah. and throw away. Is it like, oh wait, no, this is um what's actually we're meant to be, but we've just made all these other very hard ways to heal ourselves. Yeah, I mean, it's you're totally right. It's incredible, you know how revolutionary it can feel. <laughs> That's just- what I was like. How did you know that? I'm like, oh wait, these things. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I know. And it's I think so that when I when I teach this, you know, it feels to people like this isn't that they're not learning. It feels like a remembering because that and that's across the board. When people start to realize when they start drinking like nettles and all the nourishing herbs, they're like, oh, yeah, it's so simple. I'm a body and a human and I need to be flooded with nourishment. And when I am flooded with nourishment and and also, you know, from a spiritual perspective with the vibration of wild, magical places and intact ecosystems, then not only are my cells flourishing and vibrating and healing themselves, not only is my blood building and, and my circulatory system working better and my mind being clearer, but I'm my soul feels loved. And and that's something that is so hard to explain. Yeah. That we can drink a cup of tea and actually feel loved by nature. Interesting. I can get that. I mean, because I haven't gotten really into it, but I have bought like I have like four single herbs mm-hmm. that I would do the what are the infusions. Nice. So, right, so it's like a pound of the herb and boil water, let it sit overnight, and then drink the whole thing the next day. Yeah. And I do think an ounce, not a pound. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Just an ounce, (laughs) or a handful. I always like to just say, put a handful handful of herb into a quart-sized jar. There we go. Very simple. Um, Yeah, that it was something. And I'm even I'm ordering, you know, a pound bag from Amazon. Totally, totally. Totally. Like so, it's not like I'm going in my backyard and picking the thing. But yeah, in making that one single herb. It did. Yeah, it wasn't interesting. It really like was a grounding practice too. And I think just like the loose herb and that. Yeah, I can see what you're saying when you're like, it's a hard thing to to describe or to be like, how are you feeling all of those things? But Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Just like a slowing downness again, because it's one. It's not a tea bag of different herbs. Just it's one herb. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It did. And feel like very nourished and loved. And it feels grounding. Yeah. It feels grounding. And you know, the truth from from like a, a medical perspective is that you can take a multivitamin and it's just not going to be as bioavailable as if you drink an, an infusion of a nourishing weed. But we drink that tea, that like deep green tea that's been steeping overnight and our body just like soaks it up. 
it and and it feels you know, it's amazing people when they drink nourishing herbs for the first time, they're like, oh my God, where has this been all my life? <laughs> it's We actually have this thirst. And so many of us, you know, we're walking around and we don't even know how undernourished we really are. Yeah. And it seems, yeah, now when you think about it, too, it does seem like impossible to be fully nourished when three meals a day. You know, you know, like, it's like, what they'll sometimes be like, you need to eat. Some people will be like, you need like how many servings of vegetables in a day? And it's like, how do you even like do that? Yeah. (laughs) And then, you know, when, when we learn that our vegetables, if, you know, if they're not grown, not only organically, but even if they're grown organically, if they're not grown in soil, that's rich in minerals. And if they're, if they're grown in a mono crop situation, which most food is grown, then unfortunately our, you know, our food is only as mineral rich and as nutritious as is the soil. Um, So when we're drinking plants from wild earth and wild places, we're getting just a, a phenomenal nutrition that is just not really available to us if we're just relying on, you know, commercially grown vegetables. So back to Vermont. Yeah. When you were saying you you noticed, so you were like doing different things to try mm-hmm. to heal your body, mm-hmm. adrenal overload, you said. And so you felt the physical difference from ter- like doing things like the infusions and stuff with the single oh, yeah. herbs. Oh yeah. From what from what were other things that you were trying? That was my main practice and and that's you know at the Gaia School of Healing the first thing that we have our students do is choose one herb and take drink a quart of a nourishing herb infusion every day for 30 days. The same one? Yeah. Wow. And the reason we do that is so that people can really get to know that one plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, they are studying herbalism. So we're training them to really understand how that plant works in their body. So, you know, no, you don't have to necessarily do that. But it's, it is really phenomenal because these plants, they have a cumulative effect. So the way that they make you feel after two weeks of drinking them every day is different than after just one cup. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of people you know, across the board. I mean, at this point, I've, I've worked with hundreds of people. After a month of drinking a nourishing herb, they feel so much more grounded and present and nourished and they feel vitality. A lot of people will stop drinking coffee because mm-hmm. they have a natural energy um, that comes back to them. And um, a lot of these herbs are very healing to the adrenals and, and to the nervous system. So when you were really getting into this and you found the Gaia School in Vermont, yeah. were you then like, this is it? Like, not just this is healing for me, but I like want to do work with this? Or was that an evolution as well? That was an evolution as well. I, you know, I I definitely dove into the study and and the practice and and just the the um, tending of relationships with these plants, but I did not know where it would lead me. I certainly did not know that years later I would be opening a branch really? of the school in California. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, that was just life and and following the breadcrumbs of life. But I would have never guessed. So that. then, what else were you still? Were you just still teaching art yep, at the time? Yeah, I was just teaching art, teaching art, doing at whatever art. schools at that same school. Yeah, like did you at the pick same up? school? Yeah, and yeah. Then I would drive. So that was it. You were able to. Yeah, that yeah. get salary doing that, and then yeah. you were just learning herbs on your own. Yeah. So where did the next? Yeah. And then from Vermont, after a few years of Vermont, I moved to LA. That's quite a jump. It was a huge <laughs> jump. <laughs> it was dramatic. <laughs> what, what inspired that? You know, um, I after a few years really was missing diversity and culture. Mm. And um, had you been to LA prior? No, and I used to visited. live in Northern California, okay. and so I used to, you know, kind of have some 
I think a lot of Northern Californians have some judgments around yeah, LA. Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that. Yeah. But um, they often have never actually been to LA. I've also noticed that as well. The people who who like to talk smack yeah. about LA. But um, but I definitely did not think that I would end up in LA. But I did. And I, when I first moved to LA, I started designing gardens, medicinal gardens. And wow. I worked for a few years um, designing. Um, was that something you started on your own? Did you find someone out who was doing it and started working for them? No, I, I started working on a project. There was a, a spa that was being built um, with bi- using biodynamic gardening, a lot of these practices that I that I use. Um, and it was an organic healing retreat spa oh, okay. in Malibu. And they needed seven chakra gardens to be designed wow. with medicinal gardens. And, and there was a was whole like team perfect, of people. It was kind of perfect. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> your architecture background. It was incredible. And, <laughs> and then I worked with the chakras and my herbalism. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. And I was there for a few years. And then I had like... You worked for... On these gardens for a few years, yeah. And the same gardens or separate ones? It, it was the same. I was like, this seems I know. like a very long. It was very. <laughs> but Malibu, okay. Exactly. No, <laughs> exactly. And that's like now where I feeling started... more of the sacral chakra. No, no, no. You need to redo the throat chakra. Girl. I'm not vibing with the Exactly. The yeah. Chakra. And so after a while, I was like, okay. But I mean, that being said. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that being said, a garden is never done. <laughs> you know, and like, yeah. gar- like they need that's care. True. Nonetheless. Um, that came to an end. And around that time, like I had, you know, a major death in my life mm-hmm. and just Kali Ma came through my life and just was like, whoa, girl, you're going down. Um, and, um, at, at that time I had, my daughter had been born. So the, the moment I moved to LA, um, I did move with my ex-husband Okay, and we got, we got pregnant and, um, and then I was, you know, gardening and I would bring my daughter up with me and, and garden. And, and then I decided to end my marriage and, um, it just, it was a, there was a whole period there that was incredibly challenging. Um, yeah, it was really difficult. It was a big death. And did you choose to end your marriage after or before the death? It was like a portal of death that began probably with me ending the marriage or just, or may, you know, it was probably connected to like the maiden in me dying as I became a mother <laughs> and being like, this is hard. No one told me. <laughs> and all of those selfish things of like, yeah. wait, my needs are important. And it's not selfish to need sleep. And then suddenly being like, no girl, you don't get to sleep for two <laughs> years, you know? And so there was, there was a part of me that died, you know, for sure. When I became a mom, and and was like suffering, <laughs> yeah, suffering in the death of of just how difficult it can be to to be a parent um, in this modern culture without you know community and without family and right. without support. Yeah, and yeah, and and then you know that also was connected to my marriage ending, um, and just seeing that that was not a relationship that that I was thriving in, and and it wasn't it wasn't a, a good thing. And, and then just the, the repercussions of that. And, you know, I don't know if, you know, I'm sure some people who are listening have been through divorce. It's like something that you can never expect. You know, I think everyone that I've supported since my divorce, when, when they start, they're like, oh yeah, but we really love each other. So, you know, he won't do that to me. Right. Like, 
And I'm like, even oh. if you think you're going to the divorce from both like a good place, because no, we understand each other. We yeah. both want this. And we have we a love foundation each other. of love. We've so this will be a, this is fine. Yeah. Like it's it sucks we're getting divorced, but yeah. no, we've got this. Yeah, but- I don't. You know, I've seen some couples. I want to say that I've seen some couples move through it in grace and, yeah. and like being able to hold each other and and like care for the highest yeah. interest of both. But it's actually rare. And what I've seen more is just. Sometimes, unfortunately, the ugliest parts of people come out and it can be brutal. Yeah. It can be brutal. I only know one person and she was on a previous ex- episode, Tristan Prettyman. She's a longtime friend of mine. But the theirs was still so fucking challenging. But the only reason it was okay is because they went to couples counseling like several times a week throughout the divorce yeah. and after. Like That's beautiful. <laughs> like, so the only way, and it was still so, like, yes. you know, so much coming up in those sessions, but that's the only reason yeah. I think that they made it. And she talks about it on that episode. That's but, awesome. That's but, so beautiful. And it takes two people willing to do that. Exactly. Because you know? that's, yeah, because that's what, yeah, she was mentioning too, because we had some other friend going through divorce at the same time and the, the one person would have wanted that to yeah. happen and the other person couldn't. And then you just can't, you know? Yeah. And so that is a whole like, oh my God, the the learning of surrender. And then especially if you have a child involved, like the amount yeah. of pain of of not being able to control what is occurring in something so intimate that it affects your baby yeah. is is heartbreaking. And how old was your daughter? She was a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. It was really hard. It was a really hard period. And was that do you remember the struggle of fighting with do I get a divorce or not? Or even like, can I make this work? You or know, because I had for years not, you know, I, for years I had felt like this relationship, you know, I had struggled in the relationship yeah. and there were issues and, and I had not felt like, you know, it was, it was a challenge. There were, there, there were challenges there for a long time, but I have learned that it's like, you're not done until you're done. And one day I just woke up and, and the first words upon waking were, I'm done. <laughs> and and then it was just like there was just no turning back. Right. You know, it's just like, okay, it's clear. I'm done. And now So you had maybe felt for years like, oh, I don't know if we're gonna end up together. He's the one or maybe we have some things to work on. And then just one day you're like, no. Yeah. I mean, for years, um, it had been an exploration and and and, you know, um a period of growth and and learning how to be in relationship and and yeah, exploring whether this was going to be something that we could grow together through and and become stronger in and and that just wasn't really that did not happen <laughs> it's me trisha bringing you a brief interruption cuz i got to make sure that you know about this thing i'm obsessed with it's an infrared sauna blanket you've probably heard a lot about saunas and even infrared booths those like wooden booths you sit in, I don't like those. They're a little uncomfortable. This is like a sleeping bag (laughs) that you get into. I wear pants and socks and a long sleeve shirt. I get into it. I either put it on top of my bed or on the carpet. I turn on a podcast or a show. I turn mine up to about seven, sometimes eight. I got water right next to me and I sweat it out for an hour. I try to do an hour. At least 45 minutes is good. It is amazing. Seven times more detoxifying than traditional heat. It helps with anti-anxiety and increases feel-good chemicals, lowers cortisol. I do it to, you know, calm my nervous system down. I do it when I'm feeling sick, when I'm feeling sore. It feels like your heart starts beating so fast 
that it feels like you're getting an exercise. So it's really great for me when I'm having like some physical stuff flare up and it's hard for me to really move my body and get a sweat on. I'll go for a walk, but not to get a sweat. To really get a sweat, improves sleep, reduces inflammation, increases blood flow and circulation. It really helps me to soar, um, soothe my sore muscles and joints. I am being looked at right now for a bunch of different autoimmune disorders. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I was 18. So a lot, a lot of stuff in my body. And this thing really, really, really helps. It's easy. It folds up so you can put it under your bed in a closet. And they've given me a code to give you to save $100. Go to HigherDose.com. HigherDose.com. Look up their infrared sauna blanket. Use code JOY100 and get $100 off. They also offer an interest-free payment plan, which is how I bought it. It makes you know the purchase a little bit easier. So interest-free payment plan plus save $100 with code JOY100. Again, it's amazing. Game changer for you, me. I will use it at night to help me sleep. Sometimes I use it in the morning to give me energy. It just is amazing. Highly recommend and feel free to DM me at your dwellers if you have any questions at all, because I'm so obsessed. I just want everyone to buy it and use it. So I will answer all your questions. <laughs> all right, let's get back to the episode. So post-divorce, death. Yeah. Rebirth. Yeah. That's well, what happens, yeah. right? And Where that's, did the rebirth come? Well, I think that's what I really learned in that moment is that sometimes the greatest deaths lead to the greatest rebirths. And I have found that to be the case in my life. Um, I've been through many deaths since. <laughs> and um, and it's ironic, you know, that I work with these cycles of death and rebirth. And sometimes I wonder, sometimes I'm like, spirit, can can you just lay off a little bit? <laughs> but um but but you know as a as a witch, um part of my work is to embody the elements of nature and to work with the cycles of nature through my body and through my life. And so, yeah, so I learn from my life and I learn from nature and I experience these cycles in my own personal life, as I think we all do. Um, and, and after that big death period uh, came this, this surge of birth and, and this kind of strong sprout of, of creating new life. And, um, and in that new life, um, I, I really rode that energy and um, birthed and opened up the chapter of the Gaia School of Healing. So was that the next thing in your life? Yeah, that was all. It was kind of happening at the same time. Yeah, as I was going through this divorce and as that was really crumbling, Sage, you know, graciously offered and asked me to open up a branch of the school. Oh, so she came to you offering to open she, up on the West Coast. It wasn't you going to her. Yeah, you know? she did offer Amazing. that. She, she knew I was going through a lot. <laughs> oh, she, and she and knew I, where you were. She, oh, yeah. Her and I are really close. We're dear friends. And, and, um, and she was like, you can do this. Do this. It'll be good. And um, yeah, I started, you know, as a single mom teaching out of my little one bedroom apartment yeah, in Santa Monica. Yeah, how did you start? Just like putting up flyers? Oh, totally. Putting up flyers and, um, and just like teaching. I started the apprenticeship. I started teaching the you, apprenticeship. The first thing you did was yeah, starting the apprenticeship. Yeah, it's the apprenticeship that, that wow. is taught by the Gaia School that, you know, that Sage created. Um, and so I started teaching that apprenticeship, but I started teaching it in my living room and I only had this tiny little couch, actually that one right there. <laughs> and, it um, is a tiny little couch. It is. <laughs> 
and I would move it out of my living room and, and 20 ladies would come and sit on my living room floor and I would teach and we would drink teas wow. and, and I did that and that's how it began. That's how the school And was began. that, yeah, so healing for you? It was. To then be sharing the herbs it was and it's you know the plants it's like anytime we connect with them and anytime i find that i connect with the spirits of nature it's like we're we're so embraced by nature and so welcomed and so loved so it was very healing for me it continues to be my work continues to be incredibly healing for me i mean i get to meditate with plants (laughs) like how awesome is that and i get to learn from them and and love them and be in devotion to them and make offerings to the earth and get guidance and i've i you know the spiritual teachings that i teach and the things that i share come from these ancient plants that have been on this planet longer than we have and certainly longer than my little human life so it's been the greatest gift ever to receive these deep truths and teachings about living life on this planet and and uh, creating transformation and healing and magic from from these plant teachers. Were there any times, like especially back then when you were first starting, did you struggle with like, okay, now I'm going to be the teacher? Or did, were you able to find that within yourself from being like an art teacher? Like, you know, even that's something totally different that mm-hmm. you already had been in a role of a teacher? Or yeah. was that, or just even when Sage first you know, asked you to do that. I'm guessing inside you felt a strong yes, but maybe were there some doubts and fears that came up? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, both my parents are teachers and, oh, and right. I've been teaching like, you know, my whole life, you know, even when I was in school, I was, I was tutoring kids. So oh, okay. I, I grew up with teachers and, and, and that's felt so really. So that was pretty natural for yeah, you. Yeah. And I'm blessed to, to have that, um, because I know a lot of people, me. like even yeah, like it can be like bring up so much nerves. Even if it's something yeah. somebody knows so well, to be like, wait, but stand up, like even be a yoga teacher. Like totally, I'm inspired by anybody teaching any sort of class, like well, fitness and, class, and like standing can, in front of a room and being like, everybody do it. Totally, and you can be great at something, but you might not be a great teacher at that thing. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, that's the thing is is you know, it's it it is a whole thing to know how to teach. Um, and, and so I, you know, that I am blessed that that was a tool in my tool bag and Sage also was just, you know, a really an incredible guide and, and she's helped, you know, she really helped me so much and, and was just so supportive and yeah, it was, it was pretty, it, it was pretty natural. It's, it's a state of really, yeah, it's a state of channeling almost because I teach from the plants and, and what I do is I, it's also not this like power dynamic of, oh, I am the teacher and I'm going to tell you everything that you need to know. It's really the way that we teach at the Gaia School is um, in sacred space and in ceremony, having people meditate with teas and with plants, guiding them in, into connection with their bodies and the way that they're experiencing the plants so that they're learning directly from the plants. And what does that mean? Because I have had, you know, friends that have studied with your, or what is it called? Apprentice. Apprentice, yeah. Yeah, when they when you meditate with a plant, yeah, what exactly does that look like? Is it just you're holding the plant and see what comes up, or is it like a guided visualization? Yeah, it generally 
involves first, you know, getting quiet and and centering yourself and and we drink the tea. We it's a uh-huh. tea meditation. And and then it's really using the senses, so using the sense of smell and and keeping your eyes closed and and we we pray, we ask this plant spirit to come into our bodies. We we use guided meditation to open our bodies to release tension. So we really are asking for this energy that is not our own to enter our body. And and then we start to drink and I guide students in in meditation into connection and essentially it's it's really just helping people connect to the sensations and so using our like senses quieting so the point of meditation is that it's, normally it's just you take a drink you're in a conversation whatever oh yeah, yeah. this is nice or and you're not really fully focused on right. It. And here you're like, okay, what does this feel like in my mouth? And this sip, it's traveling down my throat. Where is it going? Oh, I can feel it in my heart. Or like, oh, wow, it landed in my belly, and my belly's relaxing. And so it's through that process, and that can last like 20 minutes. Um, and then you know we just write down what we've experienced, and and often I'll I'll kind of I'll I'll call in the spirit of the plant, and so sometimes these meditations can involve visuals as well. But the idea is that then in circle, you know, people will be like, yeah, I really feel more calm now, and or I felt like an opening in my heart, or wow, I my grandmother came in, and what's incredible is that you know, 20 people will start to hear experiences that really echo their own. And they're yeah. like, oh my God, my grandmother came in too. Oh, or like, wow. wow, I really felt supported and unconditionally loved. And and so you start to notice what is the energy of that plant? What is the gift and the spirit of this plant? And then, you know, and then I go on and teach more and share more. Interesting. Yeah. Do you ever experience people like, rolling their eyes at you or like you call yourself a witch or like that kind of stuff of like, yeah, right. Meditating with herbs. And like, how does, do you get any sort of that? And like, and what is, yeah, how do you I mean, um, navigate that? Yeah. I'm guessing it's a situation by situation yeah. because <laughs> like, some people are just not going to hear anything. But right. I mean, most of the people that come to me are obviously interested in right. what the I'm people doing. People that are going to be your <laughs> like students are yeah. just like, yeah, if anybody, I don't yeah. know where it would be or just like, yeah. But I've had, you know, I, I recently actually had a a student, I do these farm days that are open to the public. And, and one of my students brought her stepfather, who's apparently like a stout Republican, a Trump supporter. Okay. And and I did not know this, um, nor would that change my behavior. Nonetheless, I was guiding everybody into like making offerings into the earth. And and I think we were like laying on the earth at one point and, you know, definitely praying to the earth and um, and talking a lot about regenerative agriculture and things like that. And um, she remarked that, and he was very polite to me. He wasn't rude, but he, but I could tell that his, you know, his energetic like, body was like judgmental. Yeah, yeah. He was like, you know, a big dude who was kind of like, you know, crossing his arms and, and like, you know. But he apparently, you know, he he got some seeds from that day um, to take home with him to Oregon, and apparently they fell on the ground right when he was getting ready for his plane ride. And he started picking every single seed up and taking forty five minutes doing it. And my student said to him dad, you know, like you can get these seeds on the internet. Like you don't yeah. have to. And he was like, oh, oh no, these are, Aww. these are special seeds. Aww. And, and, you know, and so it's, you know, like when people connect to the earth, they are touched yeah. and it's not something that is like connected to gender or political preference. Like we are humans and we are made of the same 
stuff as the earth. And we need the earth to, to feel held and to thrive. I mean, we literally do just to survive. <laughs> yeah. That's what, and I think most people that would judge something, it's they haven't even opened their mind to like thinking about it. Like they don't even actually know what they're judging usually. Totally. And, and you know, in terms of judgment, it's like I think that those periods that we go through of death can be so humbling that, that they make us more um, compassionate to people who are judge, judging us. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 100%. And, yeah. And, and they make us less judgmental. Yeah. Like when no. you are on the floor being like, oh shit, like life just slammed me down, then that, then you just stop judging other people really. Yeah. Because you understand that you just don't know what's happening for somebody. Totally. And it's just usually if someone is coming at you with those sorts of things, it's not really about you. It's something that totally. they're like locking within themselves that they don't want to face or they're being reminded of something that, you know, is bo- like bothers them from their past or yeah. something. And people that are judging are suffering. Yep. Like if if you are judging somebody, you are in a state of suffering. Yep. And so, you know, I just don't take it personally. Yeah. And I have compassion. Yep. Yeah. I think the whole life journey, especially as we become more and more like in touch with ourselves, it's just like so much self-compassion. And then then because of that, you have to have compassion for everybody else. It's like, oh, we all are walking around with these different wounds and stories and things that happen from our traumatic things that happen in childhood that we don't even remember or know. But A hundred percent. Yeah. So many things. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the new book, The Witch's Herbal Apothecary. Yes. And was that something that was something you wanted to make or someone came to you and was like, you have to Well, I felt this book in me and it's beautiful. Thank you. Just that I haven't opened it, but the outside (laughs) is like definitely drawing. Yeah, it's pretty magical. Yeah, I felt it in me. And then a publisher approached me and asked me to write it. Uh, and then I actually started writing it right after the winter solstice of last year. Oh wow, yeah. that's pretty fast then. Oh my god, they they there they have their deadlines. <laughs> I was like, it would have not come out as quickly for sure if it wasn't for the fact that I had a publisher. yeah. What was that then? Like the the pr- pressure of not working at your own pace, oh. but like you're doing something you so want to do and love, but also that they're like <laughs> that was a journey. That was a journey, a hundred percent. I had like four days. Where I experienced what it feels like, I think, to to write your book in the fantasy world. And and I had like four days where I, essentially I was like, because I'm so booked with teaching yeah. that when the publisher asked me to write the book and I knew that I had essentially like eight months to write it or even less, I was like, I looked at my calendar and I was like, okay, I've got like these this one week in February and this one week in March. And I have to write this book in that oh time. Oh, my goodness. Um, and so in February, I, I went and I spent time with my sister. She lives at – she actually works at Esalen and lives at oh, Esalen. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, for those who don't know, is an epic retreat center <laughs> on the coast of Big Sur, California with hot springs. And my dad watched my daughter. And I went for four days and I had the, you know, the fantasy of, of writing. And I would just get up in the morning and go for a walk. And then I would write, go to lunch. And I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, this is why the patriarchy doesn't want to let go. Because I was like, this is fucking epic. I am just getting to feel brilliant and so important writing my book. And I'm having someone else watch my kid, somebody else feed me food. And all I have to do is just get up and work. I was like, this is easy. I was like, I could do this. And of course, then I came back 
and went back to my life as a single mom <laughs> running multiple businesses and and um and the rest of the book was essentially like a series of all-nighters. <laughs> a lot of prayer <laughs> and a lot of assistance from from spirit and the plants. Yeah. Oh, and so that's it too. Since you say you're you're uh, so booked with your teaching, have you at all reached any point of like burnout with teaching and or like and how you navigate that? Because I'm sure you love teaching, it's what you want to do, but of course like everything in life. Like, and we, yeah, you have your seasons and maybe there's a season where you were like, I don't want to teach people this week. I just want to stay in bed. Totally. I mean, that's, you know, it's so something that I'm constantly navigating and teaching actually is the thing, like it's so nourishing to me and mm -hmm. I love being with my students so much and we get to be in in ritual and in sacred space and with the plants. So it it feeds me. And yes, it is an, it is a, an outpour of energy, but um but it has not felt depleting to me. But I'm also always involved in other – I'm a very creative person. <laughs> a lot of that fire element that we <laughs> talked about before. And so, you know, I, I do tend to work a lot and I'm very passionate about a lot of things. So I'm, you know, I'm also consulting on people's farms and getting them to regenerative – to use regenerative farming practices. And I'm formulating for different companies. And I just launched this, you know, the CBD beauty serum. You know, then I was writing my book. I have a kid. Yeah. So, so yes, um, I am very much in constant tending and inquiry and learning of how not to burn out. And, and writing this book has really been a lot about that. The, the wisdom of this book is how to ride these regenerative currents of nature so that we can create and birth things into the world and so that we know when it's time to pause and rest. And, and, and give yourself permission to, totally. right? That's like such a big thing. Because yeah. outside world, no, I have to keep going, going, going. Oh, yeah. And I have to have an answer. Like, what do you mean you're taking a break? Well, what are you doing? Or what, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's not productive. Like and it's not healthy and it's actually destructive. Yeah. You know, and I think that's that's really that was my prayer with this book is for us to become aware of, you know, we are living in a culture that is pushing us in linear growth and accelerated growth constantly. The culture that we're living in is saying do more, keep working, go faster, go harder. Like that is how people yeah. are trained that their value comes from how productive they are. And and even on vacations. Like, okay, work hard so I can go take my vacation. And then they're like doing things all the vacation. I'm like, how do you even take like Yeah. And then you're like exhausted from vacation and they go right back to work. Yeah. <laughs> Resting is a revolutionary act. And, you know, um this this culture of of constant growth, constant pushing, constant doing, constant work is really connected to the patriarchy and connected to capitalism and connected to these extractive systems that are really hurting the earth. You know, this idea of, of um, all growth is good. It's, it's, it's the definition of um, the capitalistic economy of we need to produce more and, and extract more from the earth and create more things and buy more stuff. And, and now we can really see, you know, the devastation of what that has led to and and this the 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 planet is incredibly struggling you know we can't do that forever and so you know in a lot of these conversations that i'm having um with students and with peers and colleagues it's it's not really a conversation of okay how can we live a sustainable life because sustaining is not what we want to do it's how can we live a regenerative life so that yes we have moments of growth and creating something 
and that is balanced with moments of midwiving death and allowing things to decay and compost and rest and lay fallow. Yeah, I love that. I had like an Instagram post that went viral at the end of last year saying like 2019. I don't remember what else it said, but the main thing was like, yeah, that we start glamorizing rest. Mm. I think (laughs) Drew Barrymore posted it too. I'm like, it went like really viral. And I like loved that. I was like so many people. I was like now, but did anybody like live that? Checking in. Like, (laughs) because I made sure to keep glamorizing rest on my feet. Good. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, that's, I've always been someone that did listen to that. Well, I have, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia when I was 18. And so I've had a lot of chronic pain stuff, which has led me to yes. take great care of myself and allow rest that I, I'm not able to push, 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 push because my body will shut down faster. So I can sense the shutting down before it happens and like be rest. And that I've been like, you know, I've taken chunks off of working, not working for like months and being okay with it. But like there was a struggle with that first, like saying it was mostly like not having an answer for other people. What are you doing next? Well, the tour ended because I worked, I toured for a long time and then would have time off. What's next? What's next for you? Everybody wants to know what's next. And I'm like, yeah, nothing. What are you doing for nothing? Nothing. What are you doing today? Nothing. I might like go to yoga or co- like nice. <laughs> nothing. Like, and that's okay. But yes. it was like so hard for me to be okay with that being okay because of other people yes. and their expectations. You're allowed to take time off work. Even if you don't have money, sometimes I took time off work and just would build up some credit card debt because yeah. I needed rest. Yeah. Because in the <laughs> like, long term, it's the responsible thing, but it, hey, it was what was best for me. Totally. Like, yeah. I love that. I love what you're speaking to. And I think that actually there's something that you said that I want to really echo. I've, I've seen that a lot with folks who have chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And, and, and sometimes people will say that that is the gift yep. of chronic illness. I say that. Yeah. I've always said that like my pain and Chronicles is a lot, but it's been such a gift for me. And that's one of the things. And I also feel like I've been much more tied into my intuition and stuff because of it. And like, yeah, I was always taking care of myself first or else I couldn't show up for anything else. And we have to look at this fact that in this time when people are pushing themselves more than ever, it's also the time where there's more chronic illness than ever. And, And so in that kind of mystery of knowing that the planet has its own intelligence, yeah. We have to, you know, think about that and say, wow, you know, are we being guided and are we being, are we being woven into a different current of life, one that has rest? And, yeah. and is there an intelligence of nature and of life at play here that is showing us how important it is for our own survival and our own thriving? This just reminded me, I was going to talk about how, yeah, like, my body like is naturally tuned in. Oh, I'm tight. Then I'll like get out and stretch, even if I'm in a parking lot or something. Like, I'm so used to taking care of myself. Where other people are just be like, oh, my back hurts. My back hurts. That's normal. We're now at a stage of life where back hurts. Yeah, I'll take medicine or something like that. But like, I always been like, well, something's wrong. Then let me figure it out. Maybe I ate something that didn't agree with me. But when this just made me think of when my first daughter was first born and she was not a great sleeper. And it's like you know she didn't. Ne- I thought babies would you they just fall asleep by themselves <laughs> when they're born, especially when they're first born. You're just gonna put them down, and I'll be able to work because they're gonna just sleep easily. And my first daughter would. I don't think either both my kids. I had to like force them to sleep. Like okay, the noise machine, and I'm bouncing, and I'm wearing them, and doing <laughs> these things, whatever. I'm, like learning about how to help my kids sleep. It's like pay attention to the cues when the baby yawns. They're tired. You got like that. Wait, right. <laughs> Because we yawn all day long, but we just keep going. Yeah. Like, I seriously was like, why am I now, like, my mind being blown by a baby blog 
when your baby yawns, that means they need to go to sleep. Yeah. What? What? Like, I seriously was like, (laughs) mind blown. Right. A yawn means you're tired. So maybe you need to go to sleep. But we all like yawn all day long and just keep going. (laughs) Yes. It was so crazy to me to be like, baby yawns. They need to go to sleep. Go to now. You start the bouncing and the noise and the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like because the baby's overtired because I didn't pay attention to the yawn. <laughs> yeah, and that that you know you're so right. I mean, our bodies are so intelligent, and and it is so simple. Like this really brings us back to your question before, where you're like, wait, is it like drinking weeds, drinking like wild plants? That's it. That's can it be that simple? It's like, yeah, of course, there's so many things, right, that are needed. And, but it is so simple. Like, we need nourishment. We need rest. We need connection. We need love. We need to feel safe. Like, it's simple. Yeah. Oh, another thing you were mentioning uh, when you're talking about um, agriculture mm-hmm. and stuff. What about then the weeds? If everybody gets into herbalism and starts picking weeds, is there any sort of concern with that? Because is it? What's happening with like essential oil world? Uh, Isn't there something like yeah, essential, essential oils, oils are blown not, up like crazy. Yeah, they are not great for the environment. It takes a tremendous amount of plant material to uh, make just a little bit of essential oils, and they're also really there's a lot of miseducation about how to use them. They yeah. should never be taken internally, and and like and all of yeah, DoTerra or you know, there's all these like brands that are doing multi-level marketing that are telling people like, oh yeah, to, I'm training you and we are training you to tell people that it's really great to take them internally. Yeah, to and put so, a couple of droplets yeah, in the water or something. But and there's this like for kids, I've, yeah, there's like some mommy communities that like are, do no, you only use oils yeah, it's, to heal everything. The essential oils are the most intense part of the plant. They are the part of the plant that protects it from um, disease, from bugs, from infestation. They're some of the also most poisonous parts of the plant. So that's why when we put essential oils on our body, we always dilute them with a carrier oil. Which so, I did not do. Which is now why you have that allergic I reaction severe, to lavender. I have a severe allergy to lavender now because I thought I was being so healthy and put some, some lavender oil directly on yeah. um, <laughs> on my armpit. Yeah. Don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Um, yeah. And, and lavender oil is one of the safer ones. Like I do put actually, like if there's a bug bite or something, I will put a little bit of lavender oil. I might do that. Put a little bit of a straight on the bud bike. Although, but your armpit is so, it's like yeah, directly into your lymph nodes. And it was like razor, and, razor burn, yeah. Like open. Yeah. But you know, d- typically when you use an essential oil, you put in a carrier oil, almond seed oil, even olive oil, you dilute it. You dilute it so that you're not putting this really strong concentrated oil into your, into your body and taking it internally. It's, it's as if like, and you know, if you like feel the inside of your cheek with your, with your tongue, it's like soft tissue, right? Mm-hmm. And essential oil, it's like as if you were putting acid yeah, on soft strong. tissue. It's, and there's a lot of people who have had, um, you know, like poisonous reactions or just their liver and their organs. So anyway, that's like a whole other category in But I was meaning, so not even with like that danger, but yeah, like yes. the, um, over harvesting. Yeah. So yeah. like with everything, there's a new, like if, if, totally. oh, cauliflower, everything. <laughs> Yes. There's probably going to be an issue with like then getting, keeping cauliflower. Yeah. Um, But yeah. So is there, because these things are mostly naturally growing like that, like, is there any sort of concern? Yeah. Well, if you're, you know, if you're an herbalist, then you, and you know, you know how to ethically harvest. And so when we are harvesting plants, we always learn 
to only harvest as much as we need and to only harvest, you know, in a way that you can't even tell that it was so harvested. Killing, like taking the entire right. plant and you're to just like, harvesting from it. Exactly. So, so that's something that happens. That being said, you know, there are so many plants on the planet and plants like quinoa or maca have been plants that have gotten so popular and then have, you know, like the people of Peru can no longer use maca unfortunately, wow. because it be, it was their it's traditional like so food. And because now it's so popular in the West, everyone wants maca, puts it in all their smoothies, everything. And so now suddenly, you know, so that's a problem. Now the wild weeds, they grow on every single continent. Mm. They, they grow all over. Every single place has its wild weeds. So that's where we really want to learn what are the wild weeds that grow around me. And, um, and, you know, I think the thing is that once you start using plants and working with plants, you start to care about making sure that, that, you know, you're not just taking, but that you're also taking care of those wild places where you're receiving your medicine from. So, um, there are ways, you know, you can plant nettles, you can scatter nettle seeds right before a rain, and then you'll have your own nettle patch in your yard. Wow. Nice. And are all these sorts of things in the book? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of information in the book, a lot of recipes. Is the book for anybody that like has nothing to like, could totally. it be for somebody that has never heard of any of this stuff it's before? It's really great for a beginner. Okay. Yeah. It's really great for a beginner. It has a lot of recipes. It has um, a lot of information also about gardening and about how, what to do in the garden. And oh, it, awesome. it leads you through a whole year. And so you're making medicine with the seasons and the cycles of nature so that by the end of a year, you can have your own little home apothecary with your own remedies. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, Okay, I'm going to get to the questions I ask everybody. What is a go-to to raise your joy levels when you're like, Something you do if like maybe, oh, you're teaching today, but you're feeling off yet, you know, or you're about to do a podcast and you're like, oh, I don't really want to right now or just something you do to shift your energy. That's great. Well, um, I will go and lay on the earth. That doesn't surprise me. Yes, <laughs> but I really recommend it. Because- just lay on the earth. And that means like on the actual grass. Not yeah. Like, yeah. It, and it belly down. Belly down. Belly down. Oh. And sometimes I'll even dig a little hole for my <laughs> mouth. I'm not kidding. And I'll just breathe wow. in the earth. And it is the most magical feeling. <laughs> Your whole body relaxes and goes into this profoundly wow. deep state of bliss. And after about five or ten minutes of laying on the earth, you wake up feeling – or you get up feeling like rested and energized and like weight of stress has just gotten off. It's, it's amazing. All right. We'll have to try that. If anybody out there tries that, send us messages and let us know your experience. Belly down. (laughs) Breathe with the earth. Um, Which keychain did you choose and why? I chose the keychain. Everything is going my way. There are so many great keychains here, but you asked me to choose one of something that I want to be reminded of. And, And I am right now needing a reminder of just trusting, trusting that I might not see the bigger picture of how things are unfolding, but that there is a higher intelligence at work and that spirit's got me. Yeah. That's (laughs) been my whole mantra this year. That one's on my keys. I have a mug with it now. (laughs) That's my mantra. That's a good one. Um, Okay. I ask everybody, what is, well, I believe that what is easiest for us is not always what is best for us. And so I ask everybody to apply that to somewhere in their life. What is easiest for me is to do this. What is best for me is to do this. It could be anything from like 
mind, like waking up before my kids to have some me time. Or what it's easiest for me is to just do things the same way I've been doing. The best way is this. Or what is easiest is to not ask that person what they meant. What the best thing is, is to have a conversation. Oh, that's great. Uh, okay. Hmm. I think that what I'm learning right now, I'm I'm in some active learning in my life right now, <laughs> always. And what I'm learning right now is that what is easiest for me is to feel like I'm the only one responsible for taking care of my feelings, which I do think is true. But what is best for me is to make sure that I'm communicating how I feel in yeah. relationship. Yeah. And not just taking care of my own feelings by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Communication is always key. And I always find myself like, when I'm in disappointment, it's usually because I have not communicated that I had an expectation I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yes. Why doesn't everybody just know what we're thinking and oh, wanting? I know. That'd be great. <laughs> All right. The last thing is what? <laughs> what? I'd love to talk about oh, ritual too. Sure. Possible. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. I, I did just create this really beautiful, magical CBD face serum. And I want to share it because I know that a lot of the audiences are women. And what does that mean for CBD face serum? Yeah. Because when I think of CBD, I'm like, it's supposed to relax you. Right. Like, it's super anti-inflammatory. Okay. Yeah. So this is a, an oil that's made of organic oils, cold-pressed raw seeds like moringa and sea buckhorn and rosehip seed oil, super medicinal and potent. It's like the supreme nourishment for the face. And then it has... 777 milligrams of CBD. And it really is super beautifying. Um, and it's been healing scars and for people who have rashes and psoriasis. And then it reduces inflammation. So any puffiness of the face. And I want to share it because a lot of women, like we, you know, we we use different beauty products and um, kind of like your armpit story there. <laughs> you know, we we don't think about the fact that if there are chemicals or even if the ingredients are non-organic, yeah. that it's like if we're and putting these... it on our skin, it's like if we wouldn't drink it, we shouldn't put it on our skin. And yeah. and as an herbalist, there have been so many people I've worked with who have had cancer or, you know, different chemical reactions or, or inflammation because of these beauty products that are full of chemicals. Mm -hmm. um, so it just feels really good to give women an incredible beauty face serum that has, I mean, the results are insane. <laughs> and there's dermatologists and, wow. and all sorts of people who are just raving about it because it's really harnessing these plants that heal skin and regenerate skin and promote collagen production and all of these things. And it's so clean and it's so simple and it's good for you and it's good for the planet as well. And it's gorgeous packaging too. And yeah, and there's so many these days, I think even if you already know about using clean beauty, that stuff is also still so confusing. Yeah. Of totally. what is actually clean or not. Like, yeah, well, and you, you can put natural on something and it still has all the chemicals in it. Like the yes. yeah, marketing details the marketing, and stuff. Yeah. It's really hard to tell. Like even I've been like in doing wearing clean beauty stuff for I don't even know how many years, at least 10 years. And I'm still like confused on the way is this because it'll look natural. But then but then there's that one chemical. So is that a natural like, wait, what is it? So yeah. Confusing. And a really great thing to just go for if you're wondering is just like, look at the ingredients and are they organic? I mean, honestly, I'm surprised at how often things are marketed to be clean beauty. 
But if you look at the ingredients, you're like, yeah, none of this comes from organic plants. And, yeah. and a lot of it comes, you know, if it's something you can't pronounce, then obviously it's not clean. Yeah. 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 All right. So we'll ritual and we will make sure that's linked in the notes as well. Yes. All right. The final question is the name of the podcast is Claim It. What are you claiming for yourself right now? I am claiming thriving. Yes. Yes. This is my year to thrive. Love it. Yes. I, I just got like chills. Oh, it's, happening. it's happening. You are thriving. It's happening. <laughs> it's all going my way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for talking talking with me, sharing everything. Thank you. Thanks so much. And blessings to all the listeners. Take care. There you go. I love learning about these different people up to different things in the world and how they've found it and do it and be it and are living their lives. So go follow Marisha. I'm not even going to try to spell out her name and account. Links are here. And she's also at the Gaia School of Healing, GaiaSchoolingHealing.com. Go get her book, The Witch's Herbal Apothecary. There's a link below also. Full show notes and full links are found at YourJoyologist.com slash podcast. You can find all things me at YourJoyologist and at YourJoyologist on all social media platforms. Send me a message, share the episode. We love hearing from you. And I really love for you to subscribe and leave a review on the podcast platform you're listening to. I want to know why you listen, how you found me. And besides, for me, those reviews are really great for getting the show out into the world so that other people can find it and listen as well. And if you do, leave a review, screenshot it. Send it to podcast at yourdoyologist.com and I'll send you a little gift box of goodies for my product shop. I've got an affirmation deck. I've got wine glasses. I got keychains, the magnets, so many good things. Find those at shop.yourdoyologist.com. Make sure to check out the infrared sauna blanket I talked about. Joy 100 gets you $100 off and go get my daily inspiration app. It's called Own Your Awesome. It's in the Google Play and the Apple App Store. Own your awesome. Hundreds of daily inspirational thoughts and affirmations. And um, yeah, let's, let's leave the episode today with how about thinking, how am I taking the best care of myself in this now moment? Acknowledge yourself, give yourself a pat on the back, think of something you're grateful for, take a deep breath, Think of something you can do to bring yourself joy. But I mean, if you listen to this episode, you're probably taking great care of yourself. <laughs> Just make, remember, remind yourself that you are the priority and that it is up to you to claim what it is that you want to feel. Claim that. All right. Find you here next week or just keep on listening to all the other episodes. So many amazing ones.